Hello all, we are here for uh, Tuesday Talks and Tuesday Talks is all about getting to know an individual from an industry and finding out what makes them tick and also, you know, getting to know them a bit more, what do they care about, how their career reflects that and, you know, what motivates them to keep going. Now, today my guest is called Nicole Miles. She is a leader, speaker, solo mom, TV survivor that is domestic violence and an idea igniter. Now, Nicole focuses on how we rebuild, redefine and redirect ourselves, you know, in being lost into being resilient, tenacious and emerging into a better than we th ever thought we is possible. Uh, let's get Nicole on. Hi, Nicole. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you very much for you taking the time out to join uh, Tuesday Talks. I'm so happy to be here. Amazing. I've done a short introduction for you, but you know, you're the best person to do justice onto it. So um, just let us know who you are, what you do. Uh, and the biggest question that is on everybody's mind, you know, uh, why do you do it, Nicole? Sure. Well, I am Nicole Miles, and I'm the owner and founder of Miles to Go Speaking and Consulting, where my specialty is resilience, trauma-informed practices, and post-traumatic growth. And so I've already said the word trauma twice in my introduction, and so definitely listeners are wondering, like, why would you do that? Um, but actually, one of the great things about the work I'm doing is that it's really steeped in hope and positivity and optimism. Um, but it's about learning to leverage our setbacks, those traumas that we have. Um, in the U.S., the statistic is 70% of adults will experience a trauma in their lifetime. And so that's 237.4 million people. Um, and that's wow. not worldwide where it would be measured, you know, in, in billions, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think what motivates me is the knowledge that even though no one likes to talk about something like trauma, people get uncomfortable. Uh, even when I say that word, sometimes I can see people squirm around a little bit. Um, almost all of us are going to have some kind of run-in with it and be impacted from it. And the statistic that I quoted you is before the pandemic. So that was before COVID-19, where we've all just emerged from this mm -hmm. shared trauma. Um, that we have an opportunity, I think, to make great changes from. And, and so I get up in the morning every day hoping to make improvements, get people comfortable with understanding that, yes, we have trauma, but no, we don't have to be defined by the negatives of trauma. We can learn to leverage our trauma and really create true transformation. Wow. I, I, I love that. And thank you for... Uh you know, expanding on to your introduction there as well. And so, and, and the word trauma is, is I, I believe will be, uh, will be getting used a lot today. And in terms of, you know, it, it's, it's one of the things that I was thinking of as well, a uh, few, few days, few days ago, cause, um, and, and you mentioned it already there, there, there is some kind of trauma that everyone will experience. Now, and and when a lot of people don't talk about talk about trauma uh, another thing due to only because they the assumption of the trauma is it has to be some very big tragic event but actually trauma is 
anything that triggers you uh, or causes you pain, in, uh, whether, whether that is, you know, being uncomfortable and in, in a certain situation, it is caused by a trauma in certain time in your life, which is now, which maybe you didn't recognize it at that time, but it is now having a ripple effect of what you're trying to do in the future. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. So one of the most interesting things about the word trauma also is that if you were to look this up as a definition, if right now somebody's Googling trauma, they're going to find a host of definitions because we don't actually have a collective decision on what this actually is. And it's because of exactly what you point to, which is that trauma is very personal. And certainly there are dramatic traumas. Um, you know, I, I list myself as a domestic violence survivor um, that would definitely qualify as one of those more dramatic traumas. Mm -hmm. But traumas also are things like, um, you know, car accidents or, you know, even a, a very uncomfortable but doesn't result in anything physical, social run-in. There are some uh, really workplace traumas have become very common as well. Uh, so I think it's important for people to understand that trauma doesn't have to be such a huge thing. And what's happening neurobiologically, so what happens inside your brain is exactly the same, whether it's you know what I call a capital T trauma or whether it's a small T trauma. Um, and that's because it's rooted in our prehistoric mind, this is what kept us alive. Trauma is how we learned to survive. And, and so it is something that occurs every day and learning how to manage it is definitely kind of that first step. And then learning how to actually be transformed from it and let it help you distill your real strengths and your real gifts is what that second half is, which is that post-traumatic growth part that I speak about. That's, that's quite interesting. And, uh, and I love the fact that obviously you've, you've now split the trauma into two. Uh, you know, there is a positive uh, and, 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 and the negative side of it. Uh, and, and the brain usually holds on to the negative side of things because that's how it's uh, wired up to, so to protect you, which has worked in, in, the, in the early times of survival and everything. Uh, but uh, currently, we don't need that survival skill anymore because you know you've, you've, there, there's lots of things happening around you that you you, you know that it's 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 a very unlikely event that a tiger will come out of a of a bush that you know That's that true. You, you, yeah so uh, you know at the early times maybe yeah that it would have helped you with that but now so if you if you don't mind take us through what was that pivotal moment for yourself obviously you, you know you you're um, you talk about your domestic violence uh, trauma that that's also mm -hmm. takes plays a part uh, in what you are doing now um, if you want to just expand on to that a little bit if you if you can sure absolutely um so i am a, a domestic violence survivor and it it was sort of steeped in this very dramatic moment um, where i actually was i i am not a person who escaped is kind of that standard um, trope, if you will, of domestic violence survivors, although it's common it, that these very brave um, people in intimate partner violent relationships, they escape. I did not escape. Um, I actually went back, which is also not uncommon. Uh, many of us go back. I went back about six times. Um, the average is seven. So a little less than, than average, only because two police officers actually came to my home and um, one evening and explained to me that they had a credible threat against my life and that they were encouraging me to leave. Um, and I did, that was the time that stuck. Hearing 
your life is in danger from law enforcement that had come to me um, was really a transformational moment for me. It was a pivotal gift and the reason why I'm here. Um, something that isn't common at all in terms of law enforcement responses, which is that they proactively came to help keep me safe. Um, I was eight months pregnant at the time. So it was this very much escape, disappear. Uh, and I spent about 14 months living in shelters, living in hiding. Um, I ultimately changed my name, left my community, left my job, left kind of everything, and, and there was nothing left. All of a sudden it was me and three children and no money, no name, no career, and I had to really start all over again. Um, so, you know, to find yourself in your mid-30s and thinking that the life that you had been building up to had suddenly dissipated, um, I, I had no choice, really, but to reinvent myself. Um, and it was a struggle. It, it isn't a, a linear path. It was difficult. I hit a lot of bumps along the way. I was also gifted with amazing people along the way who helped, kept giving me chances. And as I would explain my story, people would always say the same thing. You should be telling this story. You should be telling this story. Um, and as I rose up through the ranks, I got involved in nonprofits and became a, an executive director. I was speaking at conferences and facilitating a lot of things that I knew I loved that. Um, but still in the back of my head was this, you should be telling your story. And frankly, the story I didn't want to tell was this kind of dramatic, sad, you know, I call the lifetime movie story, right? Where you know, somebody's gonna, Nancy McKeon's gonna portray me running away with the police. Like, I didn't want that kind of story. Um, not that those aren't important stories, but as you mentioned, one, I didn't want people comparing traumas so that if they decided that my trauma was more than theirs, they would stay. Um, but also that didn't feel like the hopeful story I wanted to tell. And um, one day during the pandemic, I think as so many of us were doing a little bit of soul searching, uh, I stumbled upon an article in the Harvard Business Review by a man named Dr. Richard Tedeschi. And it turned out that in the 90s, he had researched along with a, another researcher, uh, Dr. Richard Calhoun, something they had called post-traumatic growth. And what they were looking at was the group of individuals post a trauma who get stuck in their trauma and don't develop and people who do in fact transform themselves. And, and by this point, I had rebuilt my life. I'd moved to a new area of the country. I'd raised successful children. I was leading an organization. Um, I had stumbled, but I was finding my way. And when I started to read this framework, I thought, oh, that's the story I need to tell. What I want to do with this trauma is not tell people another re-traumatizing story. I wanna tell them there is a pathway out of this. Mm -hmm. I'm not particularly special. I just happen to follow this pathway. Let me help you learn this pathway so that you can recover much faster than I did and better than I did. Um, and kind of everything aligned for me. Uh, I happened to be getting a master's degree in psychology at the time. And so I uh, actually found the email for Dr. Tedeschi and reached out to him and said, I think I want to do this. Um, he had profiled somebody called expert companions. So these are people who um, have had a trauma and recovered who he envisioned partnering with other people in traumas and, and helping walk them through it. And I just thought, oh, this is it. This is, this is the story I want to tell. 
Um, and it, it did, it coincided with COVID and I got my organization through that. So uh, I'm also an organizational psychologist and I can work with organizations and individuals on you know, that trauma, that setback. How do you actually transform that into growth? Because that's been my personal story. And so it was a, it was a brilliant aha. It really helped me hear those voices saying, you should tell your story, you should tell your story and frame up for me the way I wanted to tell that story. Wow, that's actually, that's amazing to, to hear, uh, you know, to, for, for someone to, to go through these pivotal moments and traumas and to actually recognize growth within those moments and, 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 and take those chances. I mean, growth, how I see, always happens if you're taking chances, right? Yeah. Um, you definitely, you don't know if what you're doing will have a you know a hundred percent success rate for anything i mean I'll, I'll use a gym for example people we all go to the gym for an ideal version of ourselves let's say you know for for example or or a goal that we want to achieve we go there but we give up or we stop because uh, we we hit a challenge that oh it's not happening as quick as we want so we, we don't want to do it you know uh, because we didn't know how long it will take for that result to happen, right? We were just given a, a framework that, oh, here we go, do these, do that, do this, right. do that, uh, 30 reps of this, whatever you have to do, and, and you will see results, right? Right. But each and everybody is different. So depending on yourself, you need to give yourself that time. And obviously the bumps that you will come along, sometimes it's difficult to go, into, go to the gym. Sometimes it's great, you're happy to go to the gym that's when the discipline comes along. So what I'm also, what I was also hearing in your conversation was that uh, you were also disciplined to actually go back to, you know, rebuild yourself. Uh, and, and so all those pivotal moments that you received, uh, all those, uh, you know, wonderful people that came along in your, in your journey to, to support and guide, you, you, you took upon those chances and you're like, right, okay, yes, this is it. And, let me let me take another step. Let me take another step. If it works out, amazing. If it doesn't, you're not going to lose anything, that's right? right. It's, that's it's right. There, you you are where you are. So you can either move forward or you just stay where you are, right? So you were like, no, I'm going to carry on moving forward. And I love the, that story. Um, so take take us through a, uh, um, a a pivotal moment where you 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 know when you did decide to like, okay, this is it. Now I'm going to start telling my story and uh, follow this. Um, what was that like for you when, when you started this? Uh, obviously, I'm sure there was ups and downs, but what was the moment, what was that feeling like that time for you? Well, what, it's so what was going through your mind? Yeah, it's so interesting because there's, you know, there's that tug and I think a lot of us feel that tug to go do this thing we've maybe been called to do and, and you settle it down a lot. And especially if you are a trauma survivor, you kind of always have that in the back of your mind, you know, really bad things can happen. That's your, that is your prehistoric brain, that's your amygdala going, you know, we may have to run from a tiger. Is this a good idea right now? Should you be doing this right now? Um, and I'm a parent, I, I always list myself as a solo parent, which is different from single parent, because it means I'm, I'm parenting completely alone. Um, so there's no net when this mm. happens. And so I kind of had this, you know, it's this big inhale of suddenly I feel compelled now that I need to tell the story in this way because I realize that it will help so many people. 
And as soon as I started to just even kind of whisper about it, I started to get messages in my messenger from people who were struggling and wanted my help. Um, but there's this huge cliff I was going to have to go off because I've already rebuilt my life entirely mm. one time. And uh, it was the notion of saying, I'm going to leave everything that I established behind, uh, everything that I built behind. And so I was a nonprofit executive director. I worked in the last job I worked in was in the early childhood and informal learning museum space. So it's a very big left turn <laughs> yeah. to say I'm going to enter the world of trauma and, and um, not take kind of a lot of those people with you. And, and so you know that you're really going to stick your toes. You know, I was going to head my toes right over the edge of the cliff saying, am I going to do it or am I, or am I not going to do it? And what happened is I got my first couple of coaching clients and I, I had a speaking engagement and I was still full-time employed. And I got into those spaces and just thought, I have to have more of this. The response I started to get from people as I was speaking to them, I have to have more of this. And in order to have more of it, I have to make time for there to be more of it. And so um, I had to make the very risky decision to you know, leave my full-time employment, to, to leave that kind of baseline security that I had fought to rebuild for myself and, and go out and, and give this a shot. Um, and, and so that's really where I find myself now is, is that I'm, I've sort of, I've leapt off the ledge and I'm, I'm quite literally, uh, as we do when we're entrepreneurs, um, and I think when we're recovering from a trauma or a setback, I'm building the plane and flying it at the same time um, and so it is steeped with moments of true joy, true exhilaration. I was working with a group a couple of weeks ago, and, and I, I love getting to talk to, um, there was a survivor in particular I spoke to who was just so compelled to find out more information, and she was so motivated, and it was so great to see that switch for her that, you know, I think her life is going to be different as a result of us connecting. Um, and it's, it's also met with moments of, like, what have you done? <laughs> you, know, you, yeah. you, you need a retirement plan. What have you done? Um, so both of those moments exist. And, you know, uniquely to my field in, in studying trauma and post-traumatic growth um, is that I build in specific resilience tools. And so I can help myself through those downtimes by leaning on the tools that I use for other people as well. Um, and that's something that I do. Wow. So that's quite, quite quite interesting as well, uh, you know, which is now I was thinking in terms of, so when, when you start getting these coaching clients and, you know, it came to a moment where, you know, it was right, I need to give it more time now that so that it can grow and I can see I'm helping everybody. Uh, I want to give more support, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing great and it's, it's fueling my passion as well now. I'm feeling fulfilled let's say for example you know that's you know feelings yeah. what we're going through um because i'm a firm, firm believer of that a lot of things that people do is is to do with their with their feelings right uh you know rarely we we do anything that doesn't make us feel good or doesn't make us feel something right so everything that we do even if we are buying stuff right let's just buying stuff it's to do with the feeling uh, and what I heard there was, you know, so there, there came a moment for you to decide, right, where do I need to now do this? Because you have a 
steady jobs that, you know that is a uh, steady income coming in you know what you're gonna get is fixed you know you know it's not gonna be there or b which is <laughs> doing good but we'll have fluctuations or up and down mm-hmm. right so um but that what i'm also hearing is you did realize if you put more time to it there won't be a time moment that it will go down it will stay there or go up right because that's that's very, the theory yes that's yeah it. that's right? the theory um you know the interesting my topic is interesting because people do get an uncomfortable and mm. you know it's really interesting to to speak to organizational leaders and and say you know they're frustrated about strategy right lots of consultants around strategy lots of consultants around growth and i i have to go like well you know have you visited any trauma informed practices with them have you visited any resilience work with your teams um and you know you can kind of see that it, it's not a common term yet so i think i'm i'm also a little bit on the leading edge of some of these pieces we are just now starting to have conversations about mental health in the workplace about mm. how we are all um affected you know there used to be such a a clear lane right you don't bring your personal business to work and and suddenly everybody was working from home and their personal business was in their work um and and now this is all bled together and and so um it's an exciting place to be because i think i see incredible opportunity but it's definitely risky and and you know i never want to diminish that for people um it is risky and you have to plan as best you can but if you are waiting for everything to be 100% aligned you're going to wait forever you're just going to wait forever and i thought i i'm going to be talking about doing this 10 years from now unless i do it yeah i i agree that 100% you know is is uh you need to take that risk uh, and 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 at least try it out right that that's right. What, that's why i say otherwise you're thinking about it or talking about it and it's and that's all it is right and you you're still talking about it in 10 years time as you said well I, so i I, lo- i love this journey so far and I, i love your you know your momentum of uh continuing to support and help everybody and now that you are also helping organizations um cope better with their employees and teams let's say um because you know let's be honest work and and personal life is all one now anyway since 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 uh, the recent events um and it's to how how that how can people now differentiate that when when they're at work and you know all all these and mental health it has become a, a major subject in most of the places workplaces are now talking about it but they still don't know how how to support the team right? right so that's where where you come in so being at the forefront now um with with that so you do one to one plus you helping uh, organizations everything what's what's the um a typical journey of an organization if they are working with you what does that look like that's a great question um so a lot of the organizations that i work with right now are in that advocacy and nonprofit space uh which is interesting because they have a certain level of expertise in this um and yet as is very common especially in the nonprofit space where you know we will impale ourselves and our trauma repeatedly um in the name of doing good work mm-hmm. and and so it's teaching our organizations to not only take care of the people they take care of but also take care of the people who are doing the caretaking 
Um, and, and a lot of that works around um, what I call policies, places, and people. So the three Ps. And when an organization works with me, that's one of the programs I typically work with them on. Um, where we take a look at their policies, and that includes things like, um, like even like vacations and, and living wage. Um, I'm in the middle of authoring a, a piece about pay equity as a trauma-informed practice, because if we are talking, you know, primarily about female and female, um, identifying women being the, the people who are most typically abused in intimate partner relationships, not exclusively, but, but they make up the majority. Um, we have a pay equity issue, especially in the U.S., where, you know, it takes uh, about 110 days for a white female to make additional work days to make what her male counterparts made the year before. Um, but it's November today, November 1st, and there are still two groups, two subgroups of women who have not yet reached pay equity in the United States. So Latina women and um, Native American women both have not yet reached pay equity. So that means that they've worked nearly a full year longer than their male counterparts. And so we start looking at practices like, what does that actually mean? What systemic changes do we need to make in policies to make sure that we're allowing people to, to be the best for themselves, but also for the organization? We know healthy people create healthy organizations and healthy organizations create high profit margins and great productivity. And that's what organizations all, always want really. Um, so we do policy, we also do places. Um, Trauma-informed environment is kind of a new study, but taking a look at uh, things, you know, old buildings, what we were doing, open offices, very non-trauma-informed spaces, um, fluorescent lighting, how you are running people in and out of work. If you have them in a home office, what that looks like. If you have hybrid situations, what does that look like? What are those environments? that we're allowing people to curate and what environments are we ourselves creating um, that are trauma-informed. And then it's our people. It's our knowledge of what our language is. Um, so, you know, things that, very tropey things you see in workplaces and in, um, in, in homes, things like positive vibes here, right? You know, like those things that don't allow space for people to feel frustrated or feel like they can release what they are carrying. Um, over time builds for people in really negative ways can create really negative environments where, you know, we call that toxic positivity. You get that person mm -hmm. who you don't like and doesn't like you, but you can't have an adult conversation, even though you're both adults in the workplace, because you're doing your positive vibes here thing. Um, so we start to work through what trauma informed language looks like, what conversations look like. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of it is steeped in fun and creativity. It's making space for people to engage with their own unique identities and unique interests and really helping them feel good about their workspace and their workplace and their work colleagues that when you do that and when you address some of these big systemic things that really make it difficult you know for people like me who became leaders to rebuild um those are the kinds of things that I think can can make major change and major waves inside industries. Um, because if we start to address those things, you're going to see people who are brilliant and creative who needed this additional boost emerge and do amazing things. Um, and that's, I'm really, really hopeful that that's going to start happening.
Well, I mean, I, I was mesmerized with the whole, you know, journey of an organization. If they had, they'd be working with you and they're going through all these changes. It's, it's, it'd be like an amazing ideal place to, to work at, right? Yes. <laughs> so, because uh, you, you mentioned lighting as well. So I, I kind of like, wow. Because if, uh, they, I, I was just thinking of myself, there were certain times that I could not be in certain places, especially offices, because the light was just giving me a headache. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I don't like these lights. Uh, I mean, I get a headache with any any amber sort of, or, or you know, yellow lighting going on. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, can't stand it. So, and and in our house, for that sake reason, there's no sort of soft lighting because I start getting headaches with that. So everything is bright, as you can see, it's, it's bright. So it's, it's, I, I stay, it keeps me happy and awake. Uh, but yeah, and, and in certain places where I worked before and the lighting was the issue and it was very difficult to, explain it to my boss why right. I feel that way I'm like I want to be outdoor and that is actually now I'm listening to yourself I'm just thinking maybe that's what's affected also to me that the jobs I did after uh are more I became more field-based I took roles which were not in the office anymore but like yep I can't stand yeah. the office anymore because I became for my mind yes office is headache you know not that's I'm not right. going inside yeah you, so, you so that's a trauma right Right. So you, so you adjusted, um, because, you know, interesting thing about trauma responses, we know the negative things about trauma responses, but trauma responses have great positive effects as well on us. There are healthy trauma responses and things like knowing when to remove yourself. Like if you have a flight trauma response, these are people who want things to be over really fast when something bad has happened, but also they are the first people to understand it is time to leave now. It is time to go now. So they, they've got that great sense. Fighters who, you know, get a pretty bad rap, right? Because they're aggressive, have the best boundaries in a healthy response. And so when you're really looking at these fight, flight, freeze, fawn, trauma responses mm-hmm. and how we adjust, um, what really happens in organizations when I start to talk about this is that there has to be a mindset shift because it used to be that these things were viewed as sort of weak or soft, right? Mm-hmm. People, you know, you, that was your problem. If, you, if the lighting was a problem, that was your problem. Or, you know, she's sensitive, so she's got a salt lamp in there or whatever. Like, r- rather than viewing them this way, we need to start to view humans as having great potential. And our environment and our people and our policies need to be designed around unlocking that mm-hmm. potential rather than trying to cram everybody into one box that we've predetermined is the thing to do. Uh, because what happens when, when you release that is right. Maybe, maybe it is field work for you and that's where your genius is. Then a smart employer is going to see and leverage that. And it's not going to be something you have to be embarrassed to say the employer is going to say, you know, what is your healthiest work environment? What do you like to do best? Mm-hmm. Um, which this should be happening as we, you know, go into this hybrid work from home, work in the office kind of space is you should be having a conversation. If you're a people person and you need to be around people all of the time and you, you enjoy that feedback, then you need to be looking for an employer. An employer needs to be looking for you if they require physical presence, mm-hmm. if that kind of work is physical presence. So rather than that being a weakness, oh, you can't be by yourself. It's now a strength. You are the person that we need to interact with our customers. 
And so teaching that mindset shift, especially to leadership, is a, is a piece also that I think is really important in trauma-informed practices is, you know, it shouldn't be a, well, you can have three mental health days, but geez, you know, if you take them, we're going to punish you. Like that should not be what's happening inside, inside a healthy workplace. We, we need to be saying like, yes, I'm so glad you're taking these. And yes, I, you know, I see and identify your needs and, and I know if I meet them, I am getting in exchange your strengths. Mm. Um, and I, identifying strengths is important. I, I love this. And, and I believe a lot of, a lot of uh, organizations are opening up to these uh, now because I do hear it uh, a lot more often with, with companies uh, you know, they, they're becoming aware of situations and, and personal uh, spaces as well. And the person itself, you know, that, okay, what are your needs? Um, uh, equality is in there as well. You know, diversity is now being talked about quite a lot as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's a broad spectrum that uh, the companies are now opening up to and trying to understand that. And having you now forefront that as well, uh, you know, for them to understand uh, is, is, is a great thing. Um, which now comes to, to me a question of, you know, so when, when you're doing all these things, um, how do you manage your time? Uh, you know, how do you stay on top of things? Obviously, it, it does sound like you're, you know, you're, you're fully packed every time, <laughs> right? Um, so, so with an organization, it has to be in bite-sized pieces. Um, personally, from my own business standpoint, you know, I'll be honest, I am still working through all of the tools, but I am a big believer in tools. Um, I have to have them to help me kind of keep my life organized. And it took me a while uh, when I left my full-time job because my full-time job had been so scheduled and other people had control of my schedule. They could put appointments on my calendar. I would have meetings. I would, you know, things would just happen. And things just happened, which meant that, frankly, I lost that muscle. Mm -hmm. So when I went on my own, I kind of um, wandered around lost a little bit for you know, a, a good couple of weeks, trying to figure out how I was going to manage all of this time. And eventually, I went searching for you know, the kinds of tools to block things out in my schedule to make sure that I have specific time when I am communicating on email, because otherwise I could communicate on email all day mm -hmm. and not complete the other things I have that I've set aside deep work time and project time. Um, and I'm getting better at then trying to listen to myself so that because I am on my own schedule, um, I'm not a morning person. I can work when I need to work. <laughs> Um, that took a really long time also because I'm a, a very enculturated. I worked in, you know, I worked in a scheduled environment for 25 years. So suddenly to be like, oh, I, I can, I can start this at 3 p.m. if I want to is a very strange thing to habituate to. Mm -hmm. um, but I am, I am getting better and getting, understanding that things have to ebb and flow so that I know what I need to accomplish. For me, every week starts with the list of things I need to accomplish and breaking them out um, day by day. And then understanding that if I start on something and those hanging, a hanging social media post or something is really on my mind, I'm going to give myself the grace of going back and addressing that so that I can free myself up 
to be able to go back and do that deep work. Um, but it has been an adjustment uh, from an entrepreneur standpoint, it has been an adjustment, even as somebody who was a leader before and considered, you know, a pretty organized and, and energetic leader that suddenly I didn't have that framework to work with. I had to go look for, for new tools for myself. Um, and I don't, I don't say, well, I use this tool because I'm very much not of the mind that just because a tool worked for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm always suspicious of people who are like, this is the thing that's going to solve your problem. So like, nope, that is the thing that solved your problem, your, yeah. <laughs> not the thing that solved mine. Um, so I, I encourage people to, you know, keep looking. It doesn't have to be a traditional tool. I have some pretty non-traditional <laughs> ways that I'm, I'm doing things um, because they work for me. And I like that. One of my blog posts was called Make Your Bed Every Day and Other Lies We've Been Told. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it's based on those people who, you know, have their way of doing things and they're convinced that if everybody just does it this way, that's going to make everything better. And like, that's, that's not how humanity works. Um, exactly. So you know, leave places, leave space for your humanity um, and, and work on the grace, which is really, really hard. Um, but also, I think as an emerging entrepreneur, one of the biggest things for me is to be very, very conscious of deadlines. That I, I will, that's where I do draw my line that I, I cannot miss a deadline. Mm. Um, because, you know, when you're working for yourself, your reputation is you. And I, I love that uh, there, exactly. I mean, and it, it was a question was brewing in my mind whilst you were sharing that, you know, it's, it's a it's something that I help my clients with uh, quite often uh, is, you know, pivoting from an employee mindset to an entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, it's a huge shift. And, and you mentioned, mentioned it very wonderfully there, you know, like when you left that part of the you know, world like where everything was scheduled for you, everything was pretty much done for you, where you just had to come and complete the tasks where which aligned for you already to the world where, hang on a minute, I need to create some tasks myself yeah. and actually tell myself what time it needs to be done. That's <laughs> right. And, and then look for things that can help me also yes. to finish this task. <laughs> How do I do this? You, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a case of like, oh, um, and a lot of time doubt goes through your mind that time. Am I doing the right thing? Because now, you know, you, you have to create all these things. And, and I love the fact that you mentioned, you know, you have to try it do see what works for you so you know uh, i i always say it's, it's a case of trial and errors you need to find out if somebody is saying such certain tool that works for them and they're saying go go try it you know use it well go maybe go ahead and use it but yeah. it works go with the mindset that it worked for them but you don't know how long they used it before it worked for them right, right, right? right. so Give, they're not sharing that part and nobody actually shares how long they've been using that tool or anything they've been doing that right. finally finally had a breakthrough for them but you just need to find that out what's what's that breakthrough time for you so you you have to like do several several things i mean i'm a firm believer of automation and i've got yes. a lot of stuff on automation uh going on uh you know which frees up my time to do talks like this. And I do have a day role as well. So do my day role as a, as a day job and things like that. So I get to cover up a lot of stuff uh, just because of automation uh, just runs everything else for me 
yeah, there are certain things that I need to personally come and do it, but that's also automated in terms of uh, a notification that will just ping me and say, oh, don't forget, this needs to happen in two days or three days. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm a firm believer of scheduling as well. So everything get, that gets scheduled gets done. If it's on a list, that just means it's not that important. That's why you put it on a list. It's like, <laughs> yeah, when the time comes, this will somehow, you know, go away from the list, but the list just carries on building up. Yeah, they, they but, kind, of, kind of carry on. Yeah, um, but it, I, I schedule everything up on there and make sure that everything, that it has a time and I will make sure it's done because if it's there, it's there. As I love to meet deadlines myself as well. So a, a schedule event is a deadline event. You know, it, it, is. it has to be done. Yeah. It is. And, and I would say, you know, to anybody who's thinking about this also, get a buddy, get a friend, somebody who, um, yeah, I was, I was in a leadership role. My last, my last seven years, I was the director. And so I had, I had done kind of all of the things that you quote unquote need to do as an entrepreneur that you read about. Mm. Um, but suddenly I was doing them for myself and I was unprepared for that piece because even things like, yeah, I can come up with things for people to do. I've been assigning tasks and building programs for years and years and years. But suddenly I was the assigner and the assignee and right. And I was the, the tool developer. And even though I, I academically and theoretically knew what those things were supposed to be, it felt very different just being inside my body. Um, I also think uh, one of the, <laughs> I left my job on a Thursday and took my first speaking gig on a Saturday. Oh, wow. Um, I don't necessarily, I, well, well, it was a wonderful event. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend that either. If you have the ability to give yourself a little bit of a break. Um, I did not understand. And I think a lot of people in workforce right now are pretty burnt out. Mm -hmm. um, I had been leading through a pandemic. I'd been leading for seven years. I did not understand exactly how tired I was um, and how much energy I was going to need to put into just the creative thought of getting these products organized, getting these programs built, working on all of this curriculum. Um, I did not understand that. And so, uh, you know, I latched on to people kind of before I drown fully, thank goodness. But I, you know, but as I was going down, I was like, wait, <laughs> what's happening? Um, and they could help me frame that up. So mm. I think it's really important to have networks. Um, I've joined some entrepreneur networks and that was different for me uh, because I was in a nonprofit space. We've wonderful industry networks that way, but this was very new. So find those spaces as well and find those people because people wanna see you succeed. Um, they want to help you with your thought leadership and your expertise and your business. And um, they will help you if you let them. <laughs> I, I, and I love this, uh, there, you know, in terms of uh, if they will help you if you let them, right? And, and it's the case of uh, a, a lot of people don't ask. Uh, let's say, even if they don't, you know, it's been drilled into us that asking for help is, is weakness, right? And they think, oh, if I'm asking this um people might think i just don't know what's happening uh but if you if you look at it all all through your life you have been asking for help but it was always like you know maybe some when you started a new role you did ask for help to understand the role that you were committed right you didn't know everything about it you knew some things about it but you didn't know everything you didn't know the company culture you didn't know how things actually work in that company you just knew this is how i complete this task but you have to still understand the company culture and perform it that way, right? Same, so that was your help asking 
your peers that were there to help you understand everything. Um, but we don't see that, right? But now it comes to me saying, hey, um, how do you actually do this? I, I've, I've been trying to, so, right? It's not going to happen. Nobody would actually ask that question, right? Because no. <laughs> it's and, now, you know, it's, it's on myself. Well, and that's, you know, in a, in a trauma-informed, in a better trauma-informed world, honestly, like that's, that's our shame mechanism, right? We can't tell people we don't know something because then they'll think we don't know something. And every single one of us are walking around going, oh, please, please don't let anybody think I don't know everything as if anybody else knows everything. Um, but we've really, really kind of taken that all in that, you know, it's everybody's highlight reel <laughs> running through life. And, and that's what we think everybody else is. Uh, what the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, most of us have parts of everything we need. Everybody has a genius. Everybody has something that's waiting to be released. But you also have a series of hurdles and, and deficits of your own that you have to go through. Um, you know, we're pretty good with our kids about showing our kids that stuff, right? We tell them everybody has a gift and maybe this isn't yours, but we'll work on that. And then we hit adulthood and suddenly expect that, like, right. Time organization is not my gift. I have to have a tool for that. I mm -hmm. have to have a tool for that. And I have to know that's not my gift. If you put me on a stage, though, it's magic. And so, you know, I'm the right person for somebody who's really got the organized stuff together and really has all of these other things planned out, but does not want to end up in front of the room. Mm -hmm. we're, we're each other's people, right? But if, if this person won't say, I'm terrified, to be on that stage and I won't say I need somebody to get me structured to get to that stage we're never going to meet yeah yeah and, and so you, you have to you know you have to talk and we've, I'm I'm a trauma-informed practitioner that's what I do like we have to be able to say we have to be able to say the things because as soon as we do people come out of the woodwork uh, I that, that's actually you know a fantastic thing is you just need to say uh, and look for those uh, groups of people because they are out there right just search for where it is and 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 network and you know join and ask questions because there is somebody always maybe two steps ahead of you or looking for you <laughs> to <laughs> to help them speak on stage right and, and you're looking for somebody hey organize my <laughs> organize yeah. my schedule right yeah. and, and what, what do you use for it i, I love that um, so the, the, the question now arises you know so what keeps you what do you do to is there uh, uh, a Nicole routine or uh, a, some people like to call it ritual that that you follow uh, particularly without without a miss or are you still developing yeah. that um so I do have a few things because part of the the right hand of resilience is self-care and I would you know be hypocritical if I wasn't practicing my own work <laughs> <laughs> so um so I, I will say this to, to folks who are listening to self-care is the thing you do every day. Like this is not a six hour spa day thing. That's, that's been a marketing trope that we've thrown out there. That's not real. Um, so I try to have a daily self-care, something that I'm doing and, and right. And I have two things that I, I alternate between for the most part um, where, so regularly I am either doing something intensely physical. Hot yoga is my current favorite um, activity. Mm. And so I make time to do that uh, at three or four days a week. And on the days that I'm not doing that, um, I make time to make sure that I am I'm painting um, because I, I paint on the side. I, I do watercolors and things.
And so part of my routine to ground myself is to make sure that I am spending time in my body, doing something mm -hmm. in my mm -hmm. body. And that's, you know, it's a total of maybe an hour a day, maybe, sometimes it's not even that much, um, where I am doing something that's either physical or aesthetic for myself that is me in my body. And if I can ground myself in that way, it gives me the energy and the focus to keep doing the rest of this work. Um, to do some of the, th the more t tasks that I find a little bit more tedious, things like emails and scheduling, which are, which are not my gift. Um, and, and to take those risks to apply to those bigger stages and get, you know, get to the places where I want to go, but it's easy to talk ourselves out of. So mm -hmm. I, I try every day to make sure um, I'm trying to engage in some self-care every day. And that is a big challenge for most of us. It's antithetical to the way our society works. It's antithetical to a lot of things, but it's been uh, a very grounding process for me and it has helped me get, uh, get things under my feet and accept kind of where I am and, and what I want to be doing. So uh, I am a nocturnal person. So a lot of my stuff I do very late at night. And then, so it's kind of like my self-care the night before powers me into my day the next day and I get through my day and then I, I repeat that cycle. That's, that's quite interesting to, to hear as well, you know, in terms of um, so you, you're doing your hot yoga and painting uh, to, to basically ground, ground yourself or con connect to, to your body, right? So giving your body the time, your body's, because uh, how I see these things as well is, you know, your body's giving you the time to do all the things that you want to do for, for, for having a life, right? But now we need to give something back to the body as well, where we, you know, something nurturing it is where the things that you're doing, painting, yoga, it could be different things for everybody, meditation and so forth, right? So a lot of different, different things that people can do is to, is to give back to your body as well as a, you, thank you for having another amazing day, right? And That's not not crashing on me, right? So like, yay, I've done it. Uh, and we don't do that yet. We think somehow the body will just run, 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 run because you want to run, run, run. <laughs> you know, well, even, the run, even the marathon runners have to stop and pour water. <laughs> it's, it's true. And, you know, I tell people um, all the time, I say healing is an endurance sport. Mm. Um, that this is work that I do. It, it would be it would be hypocritical of me to have poor mental health, to have poor psychological health and, and poor maintenance of myself and trying to be going into places or working with individuals um, without that. And, you know, I'm still on my journey because I don't believe it ends, mm -hmm. but trying to make sure that I am, am doing that because the research is very real that if you are working yourself to that place, if you are holding traumas in, it, it changes your cellular makeup. It affects your brain. Um, it affects your memory, it affects your ability to be responsive, um, it, it, it actually alters cells in your body. So long-term trauma is a life-shortening disease that nobody talks about. Um, wow. And so I, you know, I learned that a little later in my life than I wished I had, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> and, um, and in the interest of spreading that message, but also of knowing that like, I, I have three beautiful children and I intend to be here for them for a very long time and, you know, see them grow in their lives, however they defined that, that beautiful life. And I, and I don't intend to do it being sick or infirmed for as long as I can. But if I'm going to do that and if I'm going to do a travel schedule and speak and, I, and create this work, um, I'm going to have to make sure 
that I get a little bit better control over how I'm taking care of myself. And that has also been the gift of entrepreneurship for me is that while these are very long hours, we all know that yeah. um, we, we work really hard. It can be on our terms. And exactly. I, I am still, you know, healing. And so I, I want to continue to be in that healing place so I can be more helpful to people. That, that's that's very interesting and you know thank you for for sharing your your routine as well and it, it just it's, it's just for people to out there know you know you need to also find out what works for you for yeah. yourself as well you know but if that's walking driving whatever that is you know because you might live in a wonderful place where driving is amazing you know you can just go out there and drive uh it, it's amazing so uh you know driving Wonderful. It's actually a great space. Um, we're creating my my group on on Facebook. I have a public Facebook group, um, and I, I sent it to my email list. I'm trying to create a list of what I call under five minutes or under five dollar self care things um, that we're going to publish so that it will be curated. Because that you're exactly right. You have to find what works for you, and it doesn't have to be the whole hour. Um, I've had to work up to the hour, and some days I only get the five minutes, um, and that's okay. <laughs> I, I, that's actually great and which you know was i was going to bring uh, up that you know, how how can people get in touch with you and is that something that you're currently offering that they can uh look up to and and find out what what what's more sure so my website is miles to go.net and it's m-y-l-e-s so it's a little bit different um you, you're here with me on instagram so you see that i'm miles dot the the number two and go where you can connect with me and my Facebook is at speak smiles. So I'm at all of those places and um, I have a, a wonderful email list. If you sign up, you'll get a free download for um, it's called 20 phrases to stop saying 12 to say instead and why. And so it's a, it's a trauma informed language primer. It's really handy. It's just very quick to look at. And so things that you, you know, should stop saying not only to other people, but also to yourself, if you've got these things, running through your head. Um, so it's a great way to engage with me. I'm also over on LinkedIn. And, and so organizations or individuals can reach out to me through any of those platforms. And you can DM me. I always do a, a, a 20 minute free conversation. If somebody would like to get one-on-one -on -one and ask some specific questions, I'm happy to do that. Um, and you can visit uh, my website. You have lots of details about all the programs, speaking, um, consulting, and coaching that I do. Wow, so that's that's a, that's an amazing way of everybody to to get in touch, and I definitely would recommend everybody to get on that email list and get that uh, get that way uh, out of that, you know, and receive the freebie that that there is. Uh, you, you know, you Nicole, you're doing such an amazing work out there for for the organizations to actually understand, you know, because it's it's all new uh, for for the organizations out there, and they need people like yourselves to actually get them to understand it's not uh, another checkbox that just, that just needs to check on the list and say yeah yeah we, we've got mental health stuff happening yeah, right, yeah right. we have this dei know. mental health check the boxes yeah, yeah. this is not exactly. these are actionable things we've got to get some effort behind them yeah yeah exactly and, and you know we it's so great that you're 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 fronting that uh, you know pioneering it as well you, you're out there helping uh, helping them understand it uh, keep doing what you're doing. Obviously, the the only way is up, and you'll keep going up. Uh, I'm sure if if we meet in in a few more months or in a, in a half a year time, you you probably have a whole different story to tell us by that time, right? Um, you know, I would like to say thank you very much for for taking the time out uh, and 
sharing your journey with us. And also there was lots of golden nuggets in, in the episode for people to take away with. Um, before we wrap this up, um, I usually ask the guests, what would you like to leave us with, uh, you know, as a, as a wrapping comment for, for the listeners who are listening to this now? Well, um, I sign off a lot of my posts and my blogs with, um, I am miles to go. It's, it's, in, it, it's pun intended. And so I, I tell people, you know, wherever you're headed, keep going. And I think that's, that's what I want listeners to, to take away is that, you know, your journey, wherever you are headed, just keep going. It doesn't matter if it's a micro step one day and a leap the next, keep moving, keep going ahead. You've got this. I love that. Thank you very much. I actually will use that for the title for this episode when it becomes uh, a podcast episode on, uh, on uh, Spotify. So happy with that i might just use that uh, as a title wonderful <laughs> have at uh th so once again thank you very much uh nicole um and everybody who's been watching us live on uh, on instagram or you've just joined us uh in the in the middle now uh, i'll recommend to you know go back onto onto the beginning of the episode and watch the whole episode if you just joined us uh, and people who've been watching us since beginning thank you very much if this has you know sparked something in your mind or Gave, given you some aha moments. So, you know, it's our duty now to share this episode with uh, whoever, whomever maybe just came into your mind or you think that can benefit from this episode, just share it, tag them or send it to them because we don't know who's just woken up or gone to bed thinking of a better day. And if you had an aha moment or a spark with this episode for yourself, you might just create the same episode for, you know, same spark for them as well. And that's all we need to start our engines and keep going. You know, we have miles yeah. to go. So we, we, we do, we, that's all we need. So thank you very much, uh, Nicole. And thank you very much, everybody else as well. Thanks for joining us. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.